Sunday in the books. Welcome to Stateside Spurs Podcast. Austin, Chris, joining me today to talk about uh, whether we should all jump off of this uh, sinking ship that is Tottenham Hotspur, or if we should hang on for the ride to see if we can uh, we can make it to the end of the year. Okay, it's a little dramatic. It's a little dramatic. Uh, Austin's already nodding like, what are you talking <laughs> but about? I, <laughs> but I am feeling much it was, better it was nice today. Being, guys. Being here, guys. I'm, I'm gone. Later. It is. It is Monday. Uh, I. It's been what over 24 hours since that the uh, the match against West Ham. I've had some time to uh, to drink and to think about uh, all of this, and it's not as somber as I was yesterday at 12:23. Uh, and you asked me how I know because uh, I had a lot of text messages come in at 12:23, giving me shit because I was the person celebrating early. Uh, when we were up 3-0, 16 minutes into this match. Austin, Chris. I was the one saying in a group text that we're winning the fucking league. Yeah, yeah, I was celebrating early, too. the only one celebrating. Yeah, yeah. No, I was celebrating early to uh, Arsenal fans, United fans, Chelsea fans. Oh, yeah, I had an Arsenal I was, I was, I was bloating, and oh. it came back to haunt me. Uh, Chris, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling? Welcome. I, I, I'm not ready to jump off a cliff. I don't think I ever was. I mean... Yeah, we're all super excited about that first half. About that first, what, 75, 72 minutes. But, ooh, Shiner cheer. Nice. Nice. Um, but at the end of it, I was just kind of like, okay, I get it. We're not going <laughs> to. We, we we capitulated at the end. But I'm not. it's not the end of the world. It, it was a draw. It was early in the season. We'll live. We'll survive. Austin, how you feel? I know you, you, you and Chris were both the um, the upbeat people after um, that well, draw I, yesterday. I, I, Compared to me, um, I was I was not very upbeat. So how how you feeling today? Same, a little bit better. I've got a whole on take. I mean, honestly, it's 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 really not. It's not as doom and gloom as everyone wants to make it feel like. It's it, it's a draw that sucks at the end of the day. But I I feel very optimistic about the season nonetheless. Okay. And we can get to why later, but I'm still super positive. Sweet. Let's just let's just jump right into the lineups. Um, we uh, predicted these lineups last week in podcast. Uh, we, I think it was Austin said we're pretty much going to run back the same exact lineup against uh, that we did against United. For the most part, I think barring that Lamella exclusion Bergwijn. and Bergvine coming in for Lamella, it was the same exact lineup. Um, we got to see the two fullbacks that performed pretty well against United. Uh, we did not see um, uh, Bale uh, start. He was on the bench like you two both predicted. Um, Chris, let's talk about this lineup. Um, how, what were your thoughts when that came out Sunday morning? I, that's a strong lineup. I was happy with it. Um, what's not to be 
there was no Winx's Winx Hoiberg start in the midfield, which is nice to see. Sizoko is a nice change of pace there, and Domble getting another start, which is good to see. Um, I was weirded. Well, I guess not weirded out to see Toby get a start, just because after we talked about it last time, Dyer did have the knock to to carry about. So that was I was just I was happy with the lineup. I thought it was going to be a good strong lineup, and it turned out to be a very good strong lineup. Yeah, to Austin, start. Austin, anything <laughs> from that lineup really stick out to you? Um, including, the, let's talk about the bench too. Anything like really glaring? Um, anything that you notice? Like, man, this, this seems off, or everything seemed normal to you? Well, you're really leading me into my main part of my take there, uh, Colin. Because <laughs> the bench is what is what stuck out to me. No, no, Bergwine, Bergwine starting didn't didn't surprise me because Lamella wasn't featured. So Lamella being absent, Delhi being absent. We knew Gio wasn't going to be there. Those three players not being on the bench, while our bench on paper looked strong, those three players are all notable absentees on the bench, right? So, you know, we all were talking about how that bench looked strong. But as the game went on, I, I was looking, the bench gave me less confidence because in a derby like that, you need some edge, you need some aggressive uh, play, you need... You need players that are ready to uh, to kind of uh, put themselves about a little bit, and I think we were missing that, that that edge. Man, Chris, that seems a little harsh, right? I mean, no, it's like our in... bench, our in the sense that like <laughs> our bench is we're probably one of the best benches that we've seen in a in a long time. You know, we well, haven't really seen we this we have a lot of depth. We have a lot of depth, but that depth has to be assigned to the bench. And we didn't have it to me. It felt like we didn't have, I guess, post game. It felt like we didn't have the right depth assigned to the bench. We didn't have like a, a solid attacking midfielder to bring off the bench that could replace Ndombele. Um To Austin's point, we didn't have any players on the bench that were going to come on and be what Lamella can be or what Gio can be, where they're just that little gnat that gets under the skin of your opposition and forces them to make silly errors. We didn't have that player. Um, I think, I guess they were hoping, or Jose was hoping that Gareth Bale coming off of the bench would be the player that would scare them into those errors. Maybe. Um, but let's well, face it. What about Delhi? Why did, so let's just jump straight into my first question. Delhi is that person, if, if Los Celso is not fit, that should be on the bench in that, that uh, attacking mid option. Chris or Austin? Uh, my personal take is that Jose Mourinho does not understand this derby yet. I think his first match in, in charge of the club was against West Ham. We went up 3-0. We gave up two goals, two goals late, and he just kind of thought, okay, this is the squad I've inherited. They take their foot off the gas, and they don't know how to close out games. And then we won 2-0 in Project Restart, and he's like, all right, no no problem. He has not, he has not encountered the typical Spurs-West Ham match, where West Ham never gives up against us ever and he doesn't understand i don't think he understood that we need players on the bench and in the starting lineup that are going to continue to bully west ham because the whole second half we set out to uh to just see the game out and we had no one on the bench the second they scored he could have brought delhi on if geo was healthy geo he could have brought lamella on a player just to bring him on just to shit house the other team and see out the victory. We had no one on the bench 
ready to do that. If he would have understood that dynamic of the game, we would have been fine. Every other team in the Premier League, we're up 3-0, we see that game out. West Ham is Chris, literally Chris, the only it's a little bit, that can do that Chris, it's us. a little bit harsh to think that we know something that Jose Mourinho doesn't know. Is, it, is that a fair statement to make, or do you think that he doesn't understand the the, 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 the Derby, um, the West well, Ham no. Derby? I don't think it's harsh. Answer, Chris. My point is that the West Ham Tottenham Derby is specifically different than most London Derbies. It's a big brother, little brother matchup. It's it's West Ham lives to spoil our party, and that's yeah. not a normal Derby. Yeah, I understand. I'm just saying. Do you don't think he's been at clubs that have had that similar Derby? Well, there's a, a big brother, little brother. There's nah. I mean, it went at Chelsea. Their little brother is what Fulham. Who cares? Um, at <laughs> at Real Madrid, their opposition, their biggest opposition is going to be Barcelona or or Atleti. At Inter, it's what AC Milan. So this is a very different dynamic to that. I get, I get, and I get what what Austin's trying to say. And when you think about it from those terms, it's much <clears throat> easier to say, okay, he doesn't understand the he doesn't see it from the this side of the 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 coin just yet he doesn't see it as they like he came into that game thinking it's just west ham we'll be fine we'll put them to the sword it'll be quick and easy and we'll be done and we went up three nothing hubris got a hold of him and he said all right i'll make some luxury substitutions here um we're 75 minutes in i'll bring in some luxury players and we'll see this out three nil i'll give gareth bale a run and uh we'll we'll go home with three points but i mean you could see it on the you could see the Tottenham West Ham ness of that game really come out after they scored that first goal. You really saw all of a sudden, like every Tottenham fan who saw that first goal go in immediately said, "Shit, here we yeah, go." Yeah, yeah, that's true. I said it. Let's not get to the second half yet. I want to talk about the first fifteen minutes, which uh, some would say were the um, the only. I mean, there were some good glimpses of the second half that we had. Can't hit the post, but the first 15 minutes, um, where we took care of the of the opportunities and chances that we had, um, and it didn't even take long. It was what, less than a minute into it. Less we than a minute Sun, in. We see Sunday on the seconds. score sheet. Um, what what were your your thoughts on those first 15 minutes, Austin, on the Sun goal, seeing uh, Kane and Sun link up, Kane getting embraced in the first 15 minutes. Um, flying high as a Tottenham supporter, right? Uh, it's not just flying high. That's the best. I mean, that first half in general, but that first 15 minutes especially, is the best I've seen us play since at least the 16-17 season. Um, I mean, you could argue when we played against Real Madrid at Wembley that that was a great, that was a great performance as well, but that might be the only game in the Pochettino era, outside the 16-17 season, that that you could even compare to the performance we put against West Ham in the first half. Here's a West Ham team that, if you noticed, on the wings, they put some slick football together. They have some one-touch football that is pretty slick. They have some decent quality, and we made them look absolutely pedestrian in that first 15 minutes. Kane made a pass from 30 yards outside of his own goal that put uh, Sun through on goal. I mean, we just were ruthless. Our first three shots on target were goals. 
And I have not seen that in a long time uh, from Tottenham Hotspur. And, I mean, that's why I was texting the crew for we're going to win the league, right? I mean, yeah. this looks this looks like what Leicester did in 15-16. It looks like what, what Liverpool did last year. It looks like what Chelsea did in 16-17. When they have opportunities, they put them away, and they just put teams to the sword. And yeah. we look absolutely world-class in that first half. We looked we looked lethal on the counter. We took care of our chances, Chris. But well, it wasn't uh, just a counter. To be honest, Chris, I, I'd want you to talk about it. It's not just the counter. It was it was the build-up as well and our yeah, defense. And our, it was, our, our, one, our one-touch passing was on. There was a chance where Kane almost completed a move to Sun that was was uh, was beautiful to watch. And my, instance, my first thought was like, and we talked about this at the beginning of the season, I was thinking, why can't, how hard is it to play quick, decisive football? It just can't. Pass and go, pass and go, pass and go. Move, move, fluid movements, and then you'll the, see things open up. The commentators made, they made, they talked about it over and over and over in that first half about how quick we were on the passes. It was all one twos, one twos. West Ham never had a moment to settle down and try and gather themselves and compose their defense. They, because we were constantly in constant movement, constant motion. Everybody focuses in right now on that first 15 minutes because we scored and we played so well and we were high flying in that first 15 minutes. But honestly, it wasn't just the first 15 minutes. It was the whole half for for that first 45 minutes. We scored three goals and for 45 minutes, we were the only team on the pitch. West Ham had no answers for what was going on. There was never a point in the first half where I was like, Okay, they're going to get back into this. They're, West Ham struggled to just compose themselves for the first 45 minutes. It wasn't just a the, the first 15 and, and, and we were done. And Domble literally just destroyed their midfield. Yeah, for we forty five minutes. We, we I think we bossed. We definitely bossed the midfield. They didn't have anyone press. Kane had a lot of time on the ball, a lot of time to turn, make decisions as a play, as a ten, and as a playmaker. Yeah, that's um, the other thing. Kane, Kane was Kane was all over the midfield. place. He also made a nice slide tackle at the very end of, of uh, the first half in stoppage time um, to prevent a shot from being on target. Essentially, um, I'm not ta- saying that it was just the first fifteen minutes. I just we didn't really create too much. We controlled the game. Yes. West Ham still had their opportunities in the first half, but I'm I'm with you, Chris and Austin. I, no one, I wasn't really concerned that there was a chance that West Ham was getting back into this game until the beginning of the second half. Um, Austin, let's talk about the first ten minutes of that second half. Um, what do you think it was? Do you think that we took the foot off the pedal? Mourinho was thinking, um, you know, we have a, a game on Thursday. Um, let's just see this out. Um, you know, to be honest, I think that's exactly what it was. I think, I think it wasn't that necessarily you told them to take the foot off the pedal. It was more of, let's see this game out and be smart. We played one touch football in that first half, super quick, super slick, super energetic football in that first half. And I think he has his eye on the second, uh, on, on Thursday and thinking that there's a handful of players that are going to have to play on Thursday that also played yesterday. And he was thinking, like, listen, let's let's see this out and be smart. And West Ham came. And he was hoping West Ham would come out and be how they were in the first half. And West Ham came out more energetic, more hungry in the second half, which is what they do every single game against us. I have it all written down here, Colin. I'm ready to go whenever you are. Um, every <laughs> single game that we played in my decade of watching Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, playing against uh, West Ham, 
they never stop playing against us. We will pull out results against them, but they never stop. And what I don't, and, and for the first 30 minutes of the second half, it, it was fine. We were able to defend. We were able to contain them. We weren't creating too much, but we were able to contain them. We were able to do whatever we wanted. And I think Mourinho felt comfortable. And he said that. He said we were in a good position. We were in a comfortable position. It took a couple individual errors to change that. And when you're playing against a team that never stops, if you have one in, one or two individual errors, that's all it takes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Every team in the Premier League quits against us at the 75th minute when we're up 3-0. Every other team in the Premier League quits against us. West Ham is literally the only English team that will not quit no matter what. And I have numbers, and they, would, and they would quit against anybody else. <laughs> yes, and they would they would have given up at halftime against anybody else. It's only Tottenham they play that yeah, way again. They and to be honest, you know, yeah, even when that goal goes in in the, in the 82nd minute, I'm thinking, no way, it's too late, it's too well, late. Even the, if that happens even in the, the 70th minute, said it. Yeah, it's the it, first time in history. Yeah, I saw the stat, Austin. Go ahead and tell the go ahead and tell the listeners. Go ahead. And, the first time in Premier League history that a team down at 3-0 at the 80th minute came back to get a point. Yeah, it, it, it truly was, you know, this, this is something that I love about this game, right? Whether you're a fan of Tottenham or you're a fan of West Ham, soccer is unpredictable, and it's unlike any other sport. And so if we were on the flip side of this and we were West Ham fans today, we would be rejoicing about about how amazing of a game we played, and just in general, how soccer is. Yes. Oh yeah. Well, you're a, in the you're past a few fan, years, we have been that team that have snatched yeah. goals late at the yeah. game to get a point at this West Ham. Is, this was win. Harry Kane, literally Harry Kane, uh, 2014-15. Kane equalizer, 90th plus minute. Yeah. Dyer, Dyer's uh, first game as his Dyer, first player. Dyer's what? first game as first yeah. player. One no win. Kane. Two goals in the last two minutes of the game to win three two. Didn't wink. Didn't 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 Winks hit one? Yeah, yeah. Winks 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 arms. That was the game. The game that later in that game, yeah. Kane scored in the eighty ninth and ninety first minute yeah. with a penalty to win the game. This, this is the beautiful thing about football. It's the beautiful thing about soccer is that is that you know it's it's never over. And this is the one thing that um, I don't think. Uh, a, a lot of uh, Americans or, or people that don't understand the game understand is that the highs and lows of this are so, so high. When you're a supporter, when you're flying high, when you're making it to the Champions League final off of a, a Lucas hat trick in 45 minutes, it's amazing. And then when West Ham scores three goals in 10 minutes at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, here we are uh, talking well, about how we, only West Ham could do this to us. So let's, let's, let's be absolutely honest about that. The question. Um, hold on. Oh, good, I'll, good. I was going to say, let, let's be absolutely honest. As as much as it is about the beauty of the game and how awesome it is, as if I were a neutral fan, that would have been the greatest. That that makes my Sunday, if I'm a neutral. That's an awesome game to watch. Um, but we should have won that game. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no, well, like, there's no going around it. We lost, we dropped two points in that game. <laughs> like, we're going well, to we're gonna, we're gonna get to that. had to go exactly the, the exact same way for us to lose those that lose the win in that game but what i want to ask is chelsea also drew 3-3 to a mid-table club at the end of the game in a 93rd minute goal and have we completely left them off the hook 
Because no one's talking about the fact that Chelsea should have put Southampton to the sword. And well, you're jumping way ahead. Like, Reeling you back. Hold on. Come we'll on. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come back. <laughs> come back. Come back. Come back. Subs. Let's talk about the subs. When are when you know when 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 let's talk about Bale. Right. Bale comes on with the 70th minute. Um, I think you know at this point up three 0 I'm watching this game and I'm just like it's time. I, I get to enjoy it. I don't have to worry about um, <laughs> shit. We have to win. We have to hold on to this tight one 0 lead. It's three 0 Bell gets to come on and he gets to take a free kick. Like yes. Yes, he's gonna score this free kick. Yeah, and then he kicks it straight at the, kicks it straight at uh, uh, Fabianski. Uh, Austin, how special of it of a moment was it for Spurs supporters to see Bale return? The Prince returns a king uh, to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium seven years later. Well, I was texting both of you when when the foul was given. I immediately said, "Is he gonna come on?" And then I said, "Please bring him on to take this." And then they did bring him on to take that. And he got it around the wall, but it was not an especially uh, well-struck free kick, and it, it, it one-hopped into Fabianski's arms. But just the moment of just having that tension of, like, his first touch in his second debut is going to be a free kick. A, a banger like, against West Ham. <laughs> like, oh, I, I mean, it, oh, man, how, how amazing would it have been if he if he put in a banger right there? But I mean, the rest of his debut was uh, was I mean, it was about what you would expect until the moment came, which I'm sure you're going to ask about soon. Yeah. So um, Be- I think Bell Be- when he came on, I was off the charts. Yeah. So he comes on. We, you know, like I said, we're pretty much cruising. We don't expect too much out of Bale. Uh, another couple other subs uh, come after that. Lucas hops on for Sun. Uh, that makes sense. Sun had a hamstring injury a few weeks ago prior to the United match. Um, we have a lot of matches coming up. We're up 3-0. Once again, makes sense. And then we bring Winks on for Ndombele. I think this is the biggest sub to look at when it comes to um, the way the game played out. Um, we switched to that Winks-Hoiberg uh, pivot with Sissoko kind of just finding his way in, in that midfield. He kind of takes over the Ndombele role, I believe, in that instance. What's yeah. that? He You're being about. generous with Sissoko yeah. uh, finding his yeah. Way. He, I he mills I think about. Our, the I think our midfield kind of lost their shape because they all three kind of want to take up the same position, and by doing that, they take up no positions because they're all in each other's fucking way. Like move out of the way, uh, so, and so uh, that. I, I know that Chris. I want to give this to you. Uh, talking about that Winks and Dombele sub. Uh, what do you think? Did that sub <laughs> cost us two points? No, absolutely not. Um, well, I, I'd say it, it in a different way. It was a poor sub to make, but we talked about not having the right players on the bench to come in and, and keep the team in the structure that it was. Basically, what happened was at that point, and I wrote this up for everybody that's listening on our on our Facebook page. I did a big, long rant about this. Basically, what happened was, this wasn't on Winks. This was on the lack of a player of Ndombele's qualities being on the pitch for the remainder of the game. So we conceded control of the midfield by taking off the best player, the best midfield player we had on the pitch at the time. So what we did was we took, we brought in the Winks-Hoybear pivot but it wasn't just a Winks-Hoybear pivot. It was a Winks 
Hoiberg pivot with Sissoko mixed in. So all three are central, basically central defensive midfielders who dropped all the way back where they shouldn't have been. And it created a huge hole between the three of them and the three attackers ahead of them. So there's this giant space that that is created there, this vacuum where we can no longer dig ourselves out when we finally get the ball. So I mean, Winks is just not that player. I get it. A lot of people don't like him, but he has his qualities. He has skill a skill set that he's very useful for. Um, it's just not going to be ever as a controlling midfielder. He's he's a body. He's a player. Um, so when we conceded not having a player like Ndombele on the field, it just opened things up for um, like you. It was like a sigh of relief to the West Ham midfield because they had no answers for Ndombele the entire time until he went off the pitch. And I get it. You know, we're trying to rest him because who knows what's going to happen with Gio and we'll get to him for the the last game coming up. But that that sub was changing. It changed the the fundamentals of the game, not because Winks came on, but because Ndombele went off the pitch, went off the side. And it just, yeah. Yeah, so... Um... I was listening to uh, another Spurs podcast, and they had some um, someone on discussing uh, how good this Tottenham team was. Uh, I'm not sure if either one of you caught it. It was a Fighting Cock podcast that happened last week. Always and they good. were saying that Ndombele, uh, <clears throat> something that he, and just to kind of piggyback on what you just said, Chris, what Ndombele does really well is the transition from defense to offense. Which kind is of what like, uh, Dumbele like did. Yeah. Kind of like uh, what Conte was so good at in, in the time at Leicester uh, when they won the title in the time at Chelsea as well. That 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 position is so and that that transition is so important when you're just trying to to get out of your own half. And what we were doing in that last 15 minutes is just kicking the ball out because we didn't have that player. You know, sometimes Sissoko will 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 get the ball and then kick it up 10 yards and run around somebody. He, he can't pass. Um, is the problem. But there's no Sissoko there's no outlet pass. passing. And so Bale, and in turn, like Bale never got any service from transition other than the cane ball uh, to, to put him through. Um, and, and Lucas, I'm not going to blame Lucas for his 15 minutes because he never got any um, any service. Um, nope, nope, nope. Let me stop you there. Blame Lucas. Lucas is to blame. For what? Transition? He is. And no, not for the transition. Okay, I'm talking clearly about his, his okay, offensive okay. attributes. If we're, if we're sticking I'm talking clearly to the about transition. getting okay, the ball from that. defense to offense. It's, that was not Lucas's fault. Like okay. he, he made no mistakes that. on the uh, offensive. I fully, I fully back Chris here. I fully, fully. He back made Chris. mistakes on the offensive end, Austin. Lucas made, made offensive mistakes because he never made himself available to receive the ball ever. Now he was put on the left wing where he's not supposed to be. But Lucas <sighs> is horrible as a winger at this point in his career. He's yeah. useless. As no one, no one received the ball. I mean, you can go back and watch the 15 minutes of that match. No, 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 you're right. And no one received the ball other than when Kane dropped all the way back to get it, which is the way we're playing as a as a team. Yeah. So your hatred for Lucas in a defensive role may be fair because that that second goal, the own goal, was yep. was Lucas lacking tracking exactly. back. But it's I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the transition from defense to offense. Lucas yes. was not a part of that. Anybody so, ever agree, think that Lucas is like a mini version of Sissoko? I agree. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, maybe. Lucas is like great, a tiny great. version of Sizoko. He's yeah, a little Sizoko. Mini Sizoko. He takes on players, but he can't really pass the ball off. He can't really, he can kind of shoot, but not really. Somebody told me recently that like they thought he was the best Sissoko. dribbler on our team. 
He's a great like was with the ball in close control at times. At, cool. With the ball in close control at times, he is a great dribbler. He can break through. The problem is if anybody touches him mid dribble, he's going down and he's going down hard. <laughs> yeah, Chris, Chris and Colin, real quick, because I told you both this for two weeks now that I want to get to this about Luke, my my point of view of where Lucas fits in our team. If we're getting, I'm giving you 60 seconds because we got to go on. <laughs> I, I, I will leave it to later if we're going to get to it later. No, I'm trying to give you 60 seconds because we can't spend more than 60 seconds talking about a, 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 a person who made a 15 minute sub appearance that didn't have a huge impact. Lucas is useless as a winger in today's football. He doesn't take anyone down the down the wing to put a cross in like Aaron Lennon. He cuts in on our current team and is bodied out by every defensive midfielder in the league. He has no creative attributes to him. His one quality to us is he can take on a defender and get a shot off from tight positions. He is low center gravity. He can get he's shifty and get shot off. He's Jermaine Defoe. He's a Brazilian Jermaine Defoe that has never played as a Jermaine Defoe for his whole career. That's where he has quality for us moving forward. He needs to play as a striker. Carlos Vinicius and him are backup strikers to, to Harry Kane. That's where he needs to be. Out wide, he is completely useless. He gives no defensive cover. He gives no attacking creativity. He's useless out wide. We have too many wingers on this team for Lucas to be playing out wide if he's not going to use his pace to get down the wing on the byline to put a cross in. But we we didn't done. have any we didn't have any other wingers on the bench, and Lamella wasn't fit, and so not on this game we didn't. Yeah, yeah. this one we it was Berg, not a Bergwine started. Yeah. Bergwine yeah. started. We have Bale, Bergwine, Lamella, Son. We have four wingers for two spots. We don't need Lucas if they're all healthy. I mean, which yeah, they we'll, all are right now. They except, are. So, so let's let, let's talk about real quick. It, you know, as angry as I was yesterday, it took an own goal from Sanchez, and it took an absolute one in a hundred worldy from Lanzini. Thank to, you to, to make to make us <laughs> uh, drop two points. And so, yes, while I still will look back at this Newcastle game and this West Ham game as four points that could cost us either top four. Or a chance at the title, and I, I think that without a doubt in my mind, those four points are going to cost us. Oh yeah, at the they're going to be. They're going gonna, to be, at the end of the year. We're going to look back and something's going to happen yeah. where we're either we're we're the difference between second and third, or fourth and fifth, or even. I think you know, it's title or Champions title. League. I don't even think it's second or third. I think it's title or Champions League. It's going to cost right. us in, in one of those two. It's going to be huge, huge, yeah. and. Um, I'm no longer, you know, I don't know what you're saying. What are you showing me? That I can't read your chicken scratch, Austin. <laughs> Cannot read your chicken scratch. I've got so, notes on West Ham history. That's what I'm trying to get. So our, you know, the real question is, <laughs> for me yesterday, was I overreacting? Of course I was. I was, I was, you know, I, I had planned on having one beer. I had, I had two. Uh, the second one was the last five minutes of the game. Um, and then I hate dropping points especially on a weekend like this. And we're going to get into this weekend of the, of the premier league. Um, so, and then, you know, T I want to get into this real quick. And Austin, I'll give you a few minutes to talk about West Ham and Tottenham, the history uh, team performance and individual performance uh, as a team, Chris um, one through 10. How do you feel like that, that match was? Oh, I mean, do we have to give one score or can we give two? Mm, just one. You can't just do first, first 75 minutes and second, last 15. Uh, it's, 
it's going to be a, it's a six. If you're going overall throughout the game, great first half. That first half coming out could have been a nine or a ten. But to drop to a draw uh, in the last ten minutes, I, I I would say we'd go below five if we lost. But we kept a draw, and the mistakes made were silly ones that cost us. So I'll stick with the six. Yeah, we kept the draw because there was no time left. They blew yes. the whistle. Yeah, they they might have won that game if there had been more time. Uh, Chris, man of the match for us. Um, you have to go Kane. Honestly, to me, I, I like he's just become the center point of the team, and you could see it when the third when the third goal went in, and they zip back over to Kane. He's just like, what the fuck are you people doing? Like these are these are my golden years, and I'm wasting them drawing West Ham. Okay, yeah. I got it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Austin, uh, team team performance. How do you rate that? You know, to be honest, I still give the team performance a seven or eight out of ten. To be honest, because the last ten minutes is regrettable, but it's a one. Like it's the only time in fifteen hundred Premier League matches that this has happened. It is so easy to get caught up on the fact that it's Spurs and we're bottle jobs, blah, 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 blah. But come on. This is something that's never happened in Premier League history. It is so fluky. It's ridiculous. And not only to mention, it's a 2020-2021 season that has no fans so far and is a weird freaking season. Like, I think this is just a fluky, fluky thing that happened. And we have to take on the chin, wear it like a badge of honor and move forward. Yeah. I think, I think even we came out with the second half wanting to see the game out and we did a great job of that for 35 minutes. Yeah. All right. Instead of asking you man of the match, I'm going to ask you who was, um, who was our worst player on the pitch on Sunday, Austin. Dobbins Sanchez was the worst player on the pitch. He was shaky all game long. Uh, Kane was obviously man of the match. That's a stupid question. I'm not asking you that question. Sanchez, Sanchez, clearly <laughs> the weak link of the whole day. I mean, I'd say Bergwijn <coughs> was weak, but but Sanchez had rocky moments throughout the game. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I also think you know, as much of as a uh, Serge Aurier fan as I have been, I don't think he had a good performance on on Sunday either. Um, I think he. Ooh, that's easy. That's lazy analysis, Colin. <laughs> Why? Serge had a great game, except for the 93rd minute foul. No, he did not have a great game. You need to go back and rewatch the whole game. Fine game, man. Sanchez is a bad defender. I didn't say he was worse than Sanchez. I didn't say that he was worse than Sanchez. Serge did not have a good game. Why even mention Serge? I'm so tired of people mentioning Serge. He had a perfect. I didn't didn't say that he he had a perfect game. A perfect Mm. fine game. I said fine game. He He was not bad. Okay. Was he one of the three? Was he worse than uh, Sergio Regulon? The only bad defender. Was he worse than Toby Aldevaro? Sanchez. The only bad defender we had all game was Sanchez. That was it. In my mind. Toby played above his his ability. Sergio had an assist. Serge played well all game, I feel like. Sanchez was the only, only shaky component in that back line. Yeah. That's my uh... We'll, we'll agree to disagree. Serge did not have a great game. So well, this the surge that we have seen attacking, he did he got shut down completely from an attacking standpoint. 
He didn't really offer too much other than he had, yeah, a, he had one nice first 15 minutes because they were so focused on he had him. One, he had one nice run that Ndombele put him through. Uh, didn't get the ball across. Uh, other than that, he uh, didn't really have too many options to get up the pitch. And maybe that's a plan for Mourinho because maybe Mourinho said Sergio. Austin, Austin, shh, mute your mic. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe Sergio got a really good sh- uh, shout from Reno saying, hey, you're going to be the more attack-minded fullback. And, and R.A., you sit back a little bit. He did have four nows on his side, I believe, which is the more dangerous of the two. Actually, I'll take that back. Jared Bowen, I think, is more dangerous. Yeah, yeah, Jared Bowen. Uh, yeah, Jared Bowen is um, probably the most, the most attacking winger they had. I Honestly, along that back line, and this is just after – taking a step back and going back and watching some highlights of this game and looking at some other things, the back line as a whole for, for most of the game, there were shaky moments, but it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the end of the world for the back line. Now they made Spursy mistakes and I hate saying Spursy. I really wanted to say something else there, but they made poor decisions but the back line as a whole, and the, I mean all four of them, including Davinson, weren't terrible. But when it came down to it at the very end is when they made the silly mistakes that Spurs are always scared of making that cost us games. Is where everybody's always looking for us to make that one mistake that makes us that takes us from being a great team to being average. And yeah. we when you look at it and you go back and you look at that performance, and even if you single out Davinson, I mean, you you may say he makes poor decisions, but he's also very young, but we need his pace on the back line. We need his speed. Um, Dyer is just not that fast. Toby's getting old. Tanganga is not ready. And we don't know what we have in Rodon yet, except that he's a championship defender who is the best defender in the championship. Yeah. So Davinson is what you've got. And he's not the worst option to have. It could be worse. We could have fucking David Louise back there still plugging away, trying to make a career for himself. So it, it's not the end of the world. Our back line held up for 80 minutes, almost 75 80, minutes, 82 minutes. Yeah. 80, yeah. Our back line held up. And at, even when you break down and I know what everybody looks at, if, if Davinson Sanchez doesn't give away that own goal, not as bad. His his performance yeah. isn't as isn't and he gets left. Out. He gets he you know to be fair, he didn't really have a choice there. Like what he is, he can't let that ball go past him. Mm-mm. He can't. There's if you look in the replay, you see Jared Bowen coming in to to tap that ball in right behind Davinson. He's he's and hung out to dry. He's hung out to dry <laughs> by Lucas but, essentially by not chasing the runner. That and being so, said, he still has he still had an own goal. He still didn't have a great game. And but, let me rephrase kind of let me go back and make sure that I'm being very clear. Serge Ra was not did not have a terrible game. He did not, in my eyes, guarantee that that is a position that he should continue to get as a starter in Premier League. I That's thought he had a great game, great great game against United, and I thought he, if he could follow that up with another great game against West Ham, that's now his position to lose. And Doherty would be the one getting the Europa League and the Cup games. I think his game that game left me I had a lot of questions saying. You know what? Maybe I'd like to see Darty back in that right back but position. That being said, I mean, think about it now. Think about that that position that the club is in at right back, where eh, Serge is kind of shaky. Well, we got Doherty back here. Yeah, we rotate him in. We don't really lose anything. The team. Let is still me very be good, clear, so. though. I did not miss Davies one bit. 
Not one bit. Not one. <laughs> I do not want to see Davies. What a beautiful cross by Regulon for Kane's second goal. Um, I thought that was amazing. I loved having Sergio Regulon as a starting left back. Davies will coming. be here on Thursday. Uh, let's uh, bail. Austin, I'll let you talk to me about that bail, uh, that missed opportunity, and then we're going to move on from this game. I mean, that was the moment, wasn't it? I mean, he skipped yeah. past two players with ease. He looked like he was just jogging, and then all of a sudden, skipped past two players, and instead of going down for a penalty, which he, on, on replay, he could have. He got subbed. He could have gone down. He tried to put it near post instead of far post, which I think old Bale for, for Spurs would have just slotted that far post. I think he just tried to get a foot on it, and he's a little rusty. And, um, I think, you know, five times out of ten that goes in. And we caught one of the five that didn't go in. And I think that's why you saw him laying down on the pitch with his face down like, oh, my God, I missed that. Right? Because yeah. he knows that that's, that's a 50-50 goal. Yeah. It's not I, a, it's I, would, not, I would say yeah. it's higher than that. I think he makes it eight out of ten times. <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's, that's a one-on-one with a keeper. And he's he's a world class player. Like, yeah. So so yeah, probably probably. And I and I think I think he knows. I think he probably feels it's like a eighty percent chance of yeah. scoring. He Gareth he, Bale right now is he is match fit, as in he can physically play. He is not match sharp. He is yeah. not up to speed on playing I Premier mean, League level football just yet. So it's he, coming. He, he's close. <laughs> to be fair, he looked gassed after that. He looked stop. so tired. <laughs> there is no way he can start for us anytime soon. As much shit as people give Ndombele, he looked absolutely gassed after that one slightly fast-forward run that got him a shot on goal. Um, if that goes in, obviously we win that game, right? Yeah. I mean, if he puts that in, we're, the, the whole narrative changes, and it's Bale saved us. And save three points. Yeah. West Ham, we're, on the, West we're Ham back on the to way. Bale FC again. And, and, Kale yeah. has, and Kane has and two goals just, and two assists in that game. Yeah, and can you just imagine what I mean? Everyone would be talking about him. That 2020 that I predicted is not looking too far out of the realm of possibility for Kane, by the way. It's five and seven yeah, already. Uh, five games you're you're looking better and better, man. You're looking yeah. better and better. Not, Austin. I think Sutton might have more goals than Kane at this point. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But yeah. no, but, but the last point on, on Bale is that he definitely looks like he has world possibility and wants to play for us. He just needs to get that fitness and sharpness back. And I think once he does, I mean, honestly, that's why I'm so that's why I'm so excited this attack. I mean, Kane and Son, you add Bale to it. You had a fit and sharp Bale to to Kane and Son's amazing telekinetic powers. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah, it, it left me a lot to uh, – there's a lot for me to be desired still when it comes to Bale uh, because I don't think he's match fit. You know, he looked exhausted after 15 minutes. He had his hands on his on his knees, on his hips at one point. Age, Colin, wouldn't you be exhausted? No, no, no Bill's younger in, than me. Bear so in mind, yes. when I say match <laughs> fit, I mean he's not carrying any injuries. He's not, He's healthy. He's, he's, like, he's physically able to play. How long he can keep that up? I don't know. I said this earlier when this when this transfer first even came up. I said, you're not going to see the real Gareth Bale until probably November, December, maybe even January, because he's just he's been sitting on a sideline, not playing matches for close to a year on a really good Real Madrid team. 
where he was still probably one of their best players, but the coach didn't like him. But either way you look at it, he hasn't been playing matches week in, week out because they just haven't used him. So he's yeah. he's missing that. Give him time. Give him enough of these substitutes, and and he will. The more he plays, and the more he gets into it, the more you're going to see, and the better he's going to get. And eventually, you he will get there. But it's just, you know, the match sharpness is not. It's just not there, and it wasn't going to be. It's just let's be honest. He, we're going to look forward to a bunch of these runouts. So yeah. All right, Austin, hit me with uh, you know, your um, your West Ham derby. You know why we should feel better about this result. Uh, in the sense of of how this has gone in the past decade. All right, I'll try to get through this quickly, but I've been here for a decade, and I've been watching a decade of West Ham Spurs matches, and they've all gone one of three ways, okay? Listen, 2010-2011, we lost 1-0, drew 0-0, right? Boring, dull affairs. That's one type of West Ham Tottenham match. In 2012-2013, we won 3-1 with a Defoe double, and Bale scored late. Um, and uh, Carroll actually scored an 82nd-minute goal to ruin our, our clean sheet. This is a theme with West Ham. Then we won 3-2. This is one of the only doubles we've had, one of two doubles we had in a decade over West Ham. Bale scored two goals. Guilty scored late. Uh, we were losing 2-1 in that game, and we ended up winning 3-2. Because Bale uh, scored that wonder goal. That was the year he scored that ridiculous goal three to, to win 3-2 with the uh, immaculate Tom Carroll assist that was like five-yard <laughs> 2013-14, we had the double pulled on us against uh, West Ham. They killed us 3-0 and that's killed the, us 2-0. That's the AVB Tim Sherwood year, yeah? yeah? Yep. We didn't score a single goal against West Ham in 2013-14. Then in 2015, I skipped over the year that they were in the championship, by the way. Um, 2014-15, we win 1-0. That was Dyer's winner on his debut winner goal. Yeah. That is a dogfight game, right? Where it was nil-nil. There was multiple. I think there was two red cards, right? We had a red card and they did, or they had two red cards. It was a ridiculous mm, dogfight game. And we won 1-0 in the death. That is the second type of West Ham game, right? Um, Harry Kane then... Um, had an own goal, and Kabul had a red card in a 2-0 loss later in 2013-14. Um, I, I skipped that, by the way, uh, in the 2-0 loss. In 2014-15, after the dire win, Kane had an equalizer late in the game after Rose scored an 81st-minute goal. We scored two goals in the last 10 minutes. Sound familiar? We drew 2-2. Um, Kane's goal, I believe that was the deflected free kick when he was coming on to the team, right? Under uh, Pochettino in 2014-15. Mm, um, he was already the starter. Was he the starter was he? then? It was the deflected? Yeah, yeah, because that was the year that we saw him and uh, I, I took a picture with him, I believe. Uh, yeah, Pochettino's yeah, yeah. first year. Yeah, he was already there. 2015-16, the only match in the past decade we've won by more than one goal against, or more than two goals against West Ham. We won 4-1 and guess who spoiled the clean sheet with a late goal? <laughs> with a late goal, a uh, stupid freaking goal after Walker made it 4-0 to make it 4-1. And then what happens later that season? We lose 1-0 to uh, Antonio. He that's when, the they, that's when oh, they beat us. That's when that they one. beat us away. Uh, at the, That was the last year at their stadium, I believe. Yeah. That was yep. our title run year. That crushed us. That was the, the crushing blow. That was one of the crushing blows. 
But Colin, wait on. It gets better. 2016-17, we win 3-2 at the beginning of the season. Harry Kane, two late goals. That's the famous never give up, never give up game that Kane screams never give up because he scored two late goals. He scored a penalty in the 93rd minute or whatever it was. A Winksy jumping on Pochettino game, yeah. Yeah. But then what happens in the second half of that season? In May, we lose 1-0 to a Lanzini goal again. (laughs) And that is the goal. That is the goal that makes us go behind to where Chelsea wins the next day, they win the title. And what happens? Chelsea wins the next day, they win the title. So 16-17, West Ham live to ruin our party. That win against us with a 1-0 win with an Zini goal ruins our chance at challenging for the title. 17-18, we win 3-2. Serge has a red card in that game. We get two late goals. To win that game. Or sorry, we go up 3-0. They have two late goals to almost draw that game. Sound familiar? Draw two one one in 2017, 18. That was Sun and Abiang trading worldies in an otherwise dull affair where Sun and Abiang all both had ridiculous 30-yard strikes. In 2018-19, we won one nil. Lamelo scored a goal right before the uh first half of a whistle, and it was a pretty dull match. Antonio scored a goal in the 1-0 return leg. Uh, pretty dull affair also, actually. That was a weird year. 2019-20, last year, we won 3-2. Jose's first gaming charge. We go up 3-0. They score two goals late. Don't have enough time to score a third. Sound familiar? Then we won our second game last year, 2-0. Both goals from the second half. Suchek own goal. Kane scored an 82nd goal on a breakaway when they were pressing to try to draw the game. We killed the game off in the second minute. What is the recurring theme here? Late goals. In the last decade, they have scored seven goals in the last 10 minutes. We have scored eight goals in the last 10 minutes. Three of their seven goals have come in the last game that just happened yesterday. But there has been 15 goals in the last 10 minutes in the last 20 matches in this derby. This derby is ridiculous in that way. West Ham never stopped playing against us. They're the little brother that plays overly hard against the big brother on Thanksgiving football, and you get mad at them. If the big brother wants to bully them and wants to come up and play, the big brother wins. If the big brother's not bothered, the little brother will get a draw or get a win or make everyone be pissed off and go home. That's what this derby is. And when we don't show up for 90 minutes, West Ham get a result. That's the end of my rant. Yeah. As a sports better, it makes you want to always bet on West Ham when they play against us. Yes! You better not. You absolutely the odds are so good. <laughs> I didn't. I did not bet on. I did not lot. bet on this game this weekend. By the way, I had zero confidence. They uh, beat us a lot, but but we don't win. There's a lot of draws in this game for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. They were they were plus four twenty five to to win. That was great. Thanks, Austin. That, that puts a real perspective on um, this this derby, especially the past. You know, decade as it's you know we've seen Kane um, play this derby now what twelve times, um, and it's 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 never a game I look forward to. It just never is. It's a freaking dogfight, man. It's exhausting. I hate yeah, this game. And like seeing relegated and get out of the Premier League. They're not getting. They're not going anywhere. I know year, they're I not. It, no, it, they're mid table at, at their worst. They're they're like a mid table team. They're not going to fall into the into the relegation fight. Yeah. Nah. Um, let's talk about the Premier League. This is the weekend that I feel like we um, we needed to win. Um, a lot of teams I, dropped points. 
Uh, it was open for us to be um, to finish in third at the end of the week, I believe. Um, it would have been second if we would have won. Um, what, what was some, some takes on the Premier League for I, you this, this week? I told you. I told you, didn't I? I said it. And then we were texting about it, and it was. I was like, as soon as I saw everything else that was going on, I was like, now we have to beat West Ham. Now we need it. Now we need to do this in order to get the result, and that scares me because whenever we hit that big moment in, in recent history, it's been one of those things where that's where we tend to capitulate. That's where we tend to fall on our ass and and go to sleep at the wheel. Yeah, but why and is that, Chris? I think is that a mentality? I think it's a mentality thing? thing. I think, well, it recently, I, up until now, I thought it was a mentality. This game, uh, like Austin was saying, I think it was because West Ham knew coming into this game, we can spoil everything for Spurs for this weekend. Not only can we stop them from going third in the table, but this is Bale's return and a win for West Ham or something for West, a point for West Ham ruins every Spurs fans weekend. And they were more than happy to do so. They're just yep. bubbling over. So yep. it's just that's that is what it is. They were they were happy to do that and and I get it. But we we needed it. It was a great weekend where we could have we'd made sitting, up a lot of ground. In, we did be sitting in third. Um and if we would have kept that 3-0 uh scoreline, we would have had uh you know, the best goal differential uh in the league with Villa and we would be set to really really put some pressure at the top of this table. Well, with I think if this, if and, this game uh, happens really later easy. on in the season, I, I think if this if this game happens a month from now, a month and a half from now, it's very different because I think the mentality changes. I think uh, with the players that uh, that Jose has brought in and the way that he seems to be building the team around loud, vocal players who want to win something and know how to win something, I think he's pushing for... He he has figured out what was wrong with the team before, as we were very quiet and we were nice guys, as he as he says so often. And he's trying to weed that part out. And I think given like another month or so, if this happens, you know, into November, I, I think we might get a different result. Yeah, Austin, do you want to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what Chris is saying there. I think... You know, there's only been a handful of years in the past decade. And I'm going to focus on the last decade uh, selfishly because that's when I've been watching soccer, but also because it's a nice round number. Um, that the, the Premier League has come down to a team that that, that basically has less than 90 points. Um, you know, Manchester United lost the title on goal difference at 89 points and then won the title the next year on 89 points. Chelsea won it with 93, and then the last three years, obviously, it's been well above 90 years, uh, 90 points for Liverpool and City. But most years, mid 80s, mid uh, upper 80s, will win you, will keep you in the title chase. This is a super strange year. Nobody has a home field advantage right now. Maybe that changes when fans come back, but. The COVID numbers for Europe are going up right now. I don't see fans coming back anytime soon. Uh, Tim Howard hit on this. He said that home teams are actually struggling without fans because they don't have their own fans to buoy them, to bounce them up in moments. Like when we had 
when we were up 3-0 and had a header goal scored against us and had our fans screaming, come on, Tottenham, come on, Tottenham, come on, Tottenham, and had us go again. We don't have that, right? Yeah. So I think this is a year where home field, home field advantage means nothing. It's about scoring goals. No one has a good defense this year. Van Dyke's out for the season. City has no defense. Arsenal, who knows? United clearly have no defense. Chelsea have spent 200 million pounds, but none of it on their defense. Nobody has a phenomenal defense this year. It's going to be who scores goals, and we can score goals. It's anybody's league this year. It's going to be about who can get wins. And honestly, I don't know if we're going to win the league, but I definitely think we have the – I'm still super optimistic that we have all of the talent going forward to comfortably finish the top four if if people stay healthy. Yeah. I Let's would just about, like to say Arsenal have no defense. There's there's no defense there either. It's yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's fair. That's let's fair. let's <laughs> let's jump into that Liverpool Everton game. That was the highlight for you, Austin, this week. Other than the Tottenham game, uh, did did you both get a chance to watch that game? Nope. I watched most of it, not all of it, but I watched uh, good parts of it. Uh, did you get to watch the uh, the Pickford uh, Van Dyke challenge live, Austin, yep. or no? Uh, yeah, I was watching it and. Um, you know, live, it didn't look crazy bad, but then as soon as they showed the replay, I was like, ooh, that's rough. And then they gave the cop-out call. I mean, it's a bailout call, right? To say that, oh, he's offside, so we don't have to look at it. And then later, like a day later, like, oh, we looked at it, and it's not a red card. You didn't fucking look at it. Like, you didn't want to have the balls to, to, to send the keeper off in that game, that early on in the game, and you didn't know he was that hurt. I mean that that isn't that so. Hold on, let me ask you a question. Isn't that whole like he was offsides, so we're not going to look at it? Isn't that a little um, what's the Stupid, word I'm looking ridiculous. for? Uh, yes. Idiotic, dumb, dumb. Idi- idiotic, idiotic in the sense of if the ball goes out of bounds, good words. if the yeah. ball goes out of bounds and Kane uh, kicks someone in the face, he just like runs up and. Jedi kicks somebody in the face. Ball is out of bounds. Have to look at it. The ball is out of bounds. Wait, like, wait, 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 hold on. Jedi's kick people in the face. In my world, Some, I do. Maybe. Sometimes. Uh, in in soccer world, ninja kicks someone in the face. Uh, it, and but they still look at that and they would give him a red card. Oh so, no, it's a complete cop out. It's it, it it's a bailout. So how call. can they use that as an excuse to not review a potential dangerous? Harmful foul. That's why the next day they said they did review it and said it wasn't a red card for some stupid reason. They didn't give a reason why, but they said they reviewed it because they realized, regardless if it's offside or not, that's a dangerous play. And and it it makes no sense to me. I mean, as a Liverpool supporter, how how angry are you? If that was Kane. Well, I know exactly we how they be... feel because we lost the li- we we drew we drew against Newcastle because of a bullshit handball. No, I'm talking about the, in, the, in the context of their entire season, uh, losing perhaps their most important player. You know, if you want to say, uh, I would say like Salah is their most important player, but losing their most important player, especially on that defense, that that that's a a title. Well, no, it's players. losing your most important defender in a year when defense seems to be what's lacking in every other team of any quality. Yeah, and now you're stuck with that. Joe Gomez and um, Joel Matip. 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 That's all I have. Uh, 
and, and that's and then Fabinho could slot in. But to be fair, Colin, when we played Manchester United, won six nil or six one. Sorry, it probably six nil. It was six one. Um, we had three tackles that happened against us that could have broke our players' legs. Son, Kane, and Lucas all could have been seriously injured by ridiculously, ridiculously reckless tackles that none of which were even challenged by VAR because they weren't in the box. And all of which were given yellow cards only, I think, except actually two of the three were. And I felt the same way. I was like, if Kane ends up tearing his Achilles because Bailly stood on his Achilles after the play and it wasn't even looked at, like, yeah, I would be absolutely livid because he's yeah. our whole season. How and Bailly did it to Sun later that game. Chris, how lucky is Everton to uh, escape with the draw with that last-minute offsides call? Incredibly lucky. Like, they – that whole game uh, – and I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that I sat and watched it. I watched highlights of it. Uh, and I did catch the very, very last part. But, I like, <laughs> it's hard to even put into words because everything is now overshadowed by – the beginning of the game and by VDB being out for the, the rest of the season, like everything's overshadowed by that. No one's going to go back and think, well, Everton should have got something out of that, but uh, the league just, I want to say they have to do something about this whole, whole VAR situation and the way calls are going. Cause it seems like now, and maybe it's just because fans aren't in stadiums. I don't know. But it seems like, or maybe it just seems like to me, that a lot of these bad calls are even more under the scope now because there's just more light on them. And there's just more like, or are there more of them? Or have calls always been this bad? Has it always been this ugly and we just didn't know it? Like, Yeah, has, has, VAR like, has it highlighted it? For us as fans, now that we yeah, can see is it. it, is it like, is the light on now and we're all just kind of like, oh, wow, officiating is terrible. This he is was, awful. He was not offsides. No, there was, it was not offsides. There was no offsides. I, I've, I've and watched I don't that care several... how many lines you want to draw across my screen, NBC or Peacock or whoever Look, the hell is streaming this. That's the thing, is it looked like they were looking Colin, for I something. am the only one that's allowed to denigrate Peacock, all right? <laughs> I'm hating on all streaming services. I don't give a shit about your lines. Colin, I can see. I don't need to see if his T-shirt is a, a millimeter on the other side of the defender. That's not fucking offsides. You're nitpicking. So, so allow me to get scientific here for just, just a moment. Just a moment. They are treating their technology as if it's capable of making millimeter decisions when it's not. A human is drawing both the defender line and the attacker line, and the human is deciding which frame to freeze at when the ball is kicked. If even they are off by one frame on either the kick or off one pixel on where they draw the lines, you're talking about, like like third of meters, right? So that in itself is telling me that there's not an exact science there. What they should be doing is drawing the lines with confidence intervals around them, with margins of error around them. So basically you have a line and then you have a highlighted line around them as well. This is where I'm drawing the line, but it could also be here or here. Here's where I think the defender is, but it could also be here or here. And if you aren't outside of those confidence intervals, then it's too close to call and you leave the call as stands. If you are spending three minutes 
drawing lines over and over again to see if if freaking Mane's shoulder or armpit hair is is a millimeter past where the other defender is, you're refuting the whole point of the, of offside, which is are you gaining an, uh, an unfair advantage? If you are not outside that confidence interval, if you're not outside that error band, then it, the, leave the call as stand and let it go. That's the whole point of VR is to fix obvious errors. If it's not obvious, leave it alone. Yeah. Nobody looking at that play is going to look at, no matter where they where they freeze frame it, are going to look at it and say Mane's offside. And yeah. I don't like Liverpool, but they got screwed. Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a great that's a great result for us as first supporters. No, I'm angry awesome. for I'm angry for Liverpool because I know that we're gonna get screwed like that down the road. Well, we got screwed last year twice by that the Sun call uh, against Leicester early in the year, and then the uh, handball call against Lucas that prevented the the us to go two 0 up against us uh, Sheffield. We got screwed two different. Clear uh, it would have made it one one, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. No, no right. that, well, it would have been. No, we lost that game. We lost that game three zero. It would have it would have made the game one one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we Kings, did. Yeah, Kings scored at the very end. Kings scored at the very end. So but, it would have been it would have been one one. Yeah. But Liverpool either way, got screwed twice in that game. Once on that, and then actually it may have been more than twice. But yeah, the Pickford well, should have red. Sure. Yeah, Pickford should have been set off. But Pickford has injured three different players out, and if you remember, he injured Delhi as well when we were destroying Liver uh, Everton a few years ago. He injured Delhi, and Delhi's never been the same since. Just putting it out there. We'll talk about it later. What it's also throwing me off that Pickford is a, as good as Everton is. Pickford seems to be having not a great year. Like he's not that good. He's just he's inconsistent. Not he made a great he's free very kick inconsistent. save. He made a great but free kick save he, in the first half. He's, but he's just very consistent. Stopper. He's kind yeah. of Hugo-esque in that he's an amazing shot stopper and can sweep, but he doesn't always make great decisions. He's not. He's not, he's not as good looking as Hugo very, is. He makes oh, a very gasly, a gasly like human being, isn't he? <laughs> uh, let's move on to that. Let's talk about, uh, really quick talk about the Chelsea game. Um, Chelsea continues to struggle defensively. Southampton. Well, no, we don't have to talk. We're not going to talk too long about it. But another another game where uh, a, a potential top six contender drops points. Um, great to see Chelsea dropping points. Great to see that they still struggle defensively. The City Arsenal game. They're going to continue uh, to struggle defensively. They are. That City Arsenal game was very hard to watch. I watched that whole game as well. That was a dull affair, a drab affair. Oh Arsenal looked. Arsenal just looked toothless in attack and defense. Did they like, anything? No. And then City without without De Bruyne running that midfield, um, they looked lost as well. So another game that I watched and I was thinking. Yes, the league is ours, or we have a chance at this year. Um, so those those three games itself let me know that even with this result on Sunday, that this league is still wide open. Yeah, very still much. Still wide open. I will say one thing about the Southampton Chelsea game. It was amazing to see that Vestergaard, this the the giant, scores a last minute equalizer, but it's off a half volley like bouncing ball it's not off of like a high cross that only he can get to it's off a deflected Theo Walcott shot that's bouncing through a crowded field and he somehow gets his head too low you have this giant of a man in best regard and that's how he scores the <laughs> header goal it just was hilarious to me yeah Chelsea uh, I think will continue to struggle defensively Austin you made a point earlier earlier they spent a ton of money they did spend money on defenders they bought Chilwell in 
Uh, they brought a keeper in that didn't get to play on on Saturday. Mindy's um, hurt now, isn't he? Is Mindy hurt? Right. I I read something earlier that he he had some maybe to look it up or something while we're talking about it. But I I, I read something he may have picked up an injury, and it yeah. may be just a small something. And then but... like Tiago Silva is gonna get probably help that defense out a little bit as far as his um his ability ability to He's... get that team together uh, from a vocal standpoint. Back for Sevilla is what I'm reading. Okay, so small knock. Uh, but Thiago Silva is is past it. Can we agree on that? I mean, no, I think he helps no. the team in a sense that he can can get them to play as a unit. He can the teach back. them. That's the what he's there for. Is that is that what we're saying right now? Is that we, we well, he's like here? the Toby Alderweireld, right? Like his job yeah. is to is the to get that team. that is rough, man. Toby is thirty two and I'm, still has some athletic ability. I'm saying he has the same in that back line. His responsibility is to get the team to pushed you know hey let's let's here's what we're going to do now as a defensive unit uh, he's, he's back there he's, so they don't have a defender that looks like he has no idea what he's doing because he, yeah. he actually Wait, looks can like you imagine time. can either of you imagine being 36 and that being your first time in the premier league like come on they, they're they're expecting miracles out of him he's 36 and this is his first time in the premier league like, yeah. he's not gonna solve I don't, he's not gonna save their team i think he's gonna get them to work to get work better together as a unit uh, let's talk the last game. The last game I want to talk about uh, from the weekend is uh, Leicester and Villa. Another not too entertaining game, but Villa are still grinding out results and positive results. Here they are going into King Power Stadium and beating Leicester. Uh, and granted, they didn't have Vardy, Madison didn't start, um, but Barkley. I mean, is this Villa team for real, Austin? No, no. Like, yes, their midfield looks decent, but come on. Leicester is not the same team they were last year. You just mentioned Vardy's not there. Vardy is their entire team. Like, Brendan Rodgers is not going to bring... Brendan Rodgers already peaked with Leicester, first of all. So them beating Leicester 1-0 is not that impressive. Barkley and Grealish is a good pairing in midfield. But if either one of them get hurt, who do they bring on? Aston Villa are are the latest in a long series of teams who have barely stayed up or been rel- or have been recently promoted, who are going to play well for a while and they're going to fade away. They're going to stay up. They'll probably finish twelfth, eleventh, maybe as high as ninth. But no, I mean Ollie Watkins is, is pretty decent up front, but they do not have the depth or the quality throughout that squad. I mean they're not a Leicester twenty fifteen sixteen. The only team that I could see putting in a push like Leicester from 2015-16 is Everton. Villa, you're really going to put all your hopes on on Villa being good on Ross freaking Barkley? Um, No. No, I I just don't buy it. I think they're good for right now, but I just don't buy it. I guess we'll see. They they, uh, they do travel to Leeds, or no, they're at home against Leeds this week. Um, Another great... Another... Leeds, it's fun. they're fun to watch. Even today, they're, they were fun to watch. I mean, they the Wolves, Wolves got the result today, but Leeds, I mean, Leeds, Leeds deserved at least a point today in that game. So I said I was going to watch them. I, I had to work and I couldn't watch them today, but I will watch a Leeds game soon, Colin. I promise. Yeah. Friday, two it, o'clock. You, you and Villa. It. They're fun to watch. It's a. It'll be a fun game to watch. Um, to add what you were saying, that Villa. I don't think that they're. It's not that I don't think they're the real deal. I think I've kind of learned my lesson from the Leicester season of watching a team skate through a season and win a title and 
barely miss injuries and things like that when they're when they're lean. So I'm not going to say that they're going to be terrible, but that's like you said, that's going to be the knock. Oh, uh, when when somebody getting get hurt and what are they going to do about it, or what are they going to do when they run into a week where you've got a Premier League game and then a Cup game? Well, and you've got to rotate and. Uh, well, like, depending on depending on their league, their their spot in the league, they're gonna obviously like prioritize the league. I, f- I feel like, but you know, I don't see, sleep on Villa. Don't sleep on Villa is all I'm saying. I mean, yeah, I don't think it, I, I at don't this think point you can't fall asleep on anybody. But I don't think they're a team. Um, you know, the next five games, matches. Let's see where they are in the, before the next yeah. international break. They have Leeds, then they go to yeah, South, and they have Southampton. No, uh, we, I haven't even posted about the last bet yet. No, let's get through <laughs> one bet first. L- l- I, I'd say they're top 10 this year. Well, yeah, I think they're going to be top 10 pretty easily, but I don't think they come said, anywhere you near said, top 10. Well, you said nine was like their peak. Well, yeah, but usually there's a pretty big gap between nine and like 11. Yeah, well, we'll see. Uh, I, we'll see. We'll, 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 we'll revisit that at the international break because they play Leeds Put and they play Southampton and then they go uh, to the Emirates and play Arsenal right before the international break. If they What's have... The if they have Arsenal. If they have seven out of eight, uh, if, if they are sitting on 21 points at the end of this, um, I think that you might want to rethink that uh, that that bet, Austin. Okay. Um, no, no, no. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so let's let's just jump into these previews that we have. We're running pretty long already. Uh, we have a game on Thursday against Lask. Is that right? Or do you say the name or you just say L-A-S-K? I, I think know. it's Lask. I think it's okay. Lask Glenn. Lask. Um, I don't want to spend too long on this. Um, it's the first group stage of the Europa League game. Austin, are we home or away this game? We're uh, away. You didn't. You have me like all questioning it, but I'm pretty sure we're away. Yeah. No, we're home. We're home. Sorry. We're home. Yeah, we're home. Yeah. Okay. Uh, first ever me. match between the clubs, uh, I believe. Is that correct? Haven't have never played them before. Yeah. It's our first ever, uh, and we have two away matches after this in the group stage. Okay, uh, Chris, how do we line up against this uh, this team? Um, I'm going to say Joe Hart starts. You're probably going to see the Sanchez-Toby back line again because I'm assuming Dyer is not going to be fully fit yet, consuming, assuming he didn't play in the post-match thing after the last game. Uh, Davies on the left, Doherty on the right. Hoybear probably still starts in the middle with Ndombele since he came off. Um, Delhi probably going to start. Um, <laughs> I don't think Bale starts because I don't think he can go yet. I think that's probably going to end up being Lamella, considering he did play in the post-match scrimmage uh, on Sunday. Um, who who did you have next to Ndombele? Uh, Delhi Ali. Delhi, okay. yeah, Delhi's probably starting there. Um. Yeah, Lucas on the left, Kane up top, and then I say they probably end up resting Sun and putting him on the bench and starting like, uh, oh, wow, I don't know who they'd put. Maybe Stevie B. Maybe Stevie B gets to start over there. It may also be, uh, who did I put? I put Lamella on the the right side or on the left side. So, yeah, it may be Stevie B or it could be Lucas over there, but Kane starts. And then, of course, you hopefully after this, you rotate in uh, Vinicius. And um, God willing, just please don't 
leave Hoy Bear on the field and put Winks on. Just take Hoy Bear off and put Winks on for him. Um, and then maybe Dyer makes the bench or Geo makes the bench, hopefully. Because they're saying Geo actually did show up for the sun the post-match scrimmage on Sunday, and he did run out. So there's a good chance he could be maybe not starting fit for uh for Thursday, but bench fit. Okay. Austin, what do you think? How do we line up on uh on on uh Thursday against Lask? Um go ahead. Well, you know, I think our back line I I don't know if Hart or, or Loris is going to start. I, I My thought is that Hart's going to be the Europa League keeper, but I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on that. I think clearly based on who we started on yesterday, we're going to see a back line of uh, Darty, probably Dyer and Sanchez, but maybe Dyer and Alderweireld. Um, if Dyer's ready, he's going to start. Um, and Davies will be your favorite player. Davies will be on the... At left back, mm, Colin. Um, so this is where it gets interesting because personally, what I want to see, I want to see the Wink Sissoko midfield pivot because we're used to that. Our team knows how to play with it. It's conservative, but it it's a, it can be effective. And I think it will be like a four-two-three-one, but it's in effect going to be like a four-two-two-two. I want Lucas up front with Vinicius. I don't want him in the midfield. I don't want him on the wings. I want him just up front with his Brazilian compatriot, Vinicius, who is a target man, huge guy, great at feeding other players, great at holding the ball down. That's what he's supposed to be good at. You have a player running off of you like 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 a, like a, um, like Lucas. It's going to be like a Brazilian Defoe and Crouch. That's what I want. That's what I want up front. And then you have Lamella and Delhi are obviously going to start in attacking roles. I mean, they, they weren't even in the squad, but they're not injured, so they're clearly going to be in the, in, yeah. in the squad on Thursday. So I would love for them two to be the, the creators. You just have Winks and Sissoko sit back and chill the back four. You have uh, Lamella and Delhi playing the creative roles, and you have Lucas and Vinicius up front as a Brazilian version of Redknapp's uh, Crouch and uh, <laughs> The and, and, and then and then you just you just get a result that way. That's what I want because you can have Kane and or Son on the bench. You, I don't want Bale getting his minutes in Europa League against Minnows. I want him getting sub appearances and or starts in the Premier League to get his to get his feet uh, feet wet. I don't want him getting his legs back in the Europa League that's beneath him. That's not going to get a match fit. That's what I would love to see. Yeah, is that what Inter- we're interesting? See? Interesting. Who the fuck knows? Because Ndombele might come on as a starter because they pulled him off as uh as the first sub. So who knows? Yeah. Interesting, interesting take when it comes to both of your guys' lineup. Completely opposite lineups, <laughs> not even similar in players or formations. Which also kind of just goes back to the depth that we have in this team right now. So many options for Mourinho to choose from. Um, would love to I see Vinicius. Chris, what was your lineup? I'm sorry. Uh, um, he, he had um, Davies, uh, Dyer, or Davies, Alderweireld, Sanchez, um, and then Darty. He had Hoiberg and Dombele, Deli, Lamella, Lucas, and Kane up top with Hart and Goal. Um, and then you went oh, completely yeah. different. Completely different. Yeah, Kane's not going to um, start. There's no way Kane starts. I don't think. Yeah. I, I just don't see it. I would love to see Carlos uh, you know, Vinicius get his first run well, out. And, and that, that's what I'm thinking. I, like, I'd love for it to be the full 100% rotation lineup where we yeah. can say our bench is strong. 
Vinicius gets a start. Lucas gets a start. We're throwing out the second team because I think our second team can be very, very, very good, especially in the Europa League. But I just don't know that Jose is comfortable with it yet. Will well, he get to be there? Fair, though, yes, but to be fair, though, this is the one home game in the first half of our group stage that we have. I don't think so home games gonna, really matter, and you know I think we just talked about this home like home no, games. No, 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 no. You're right about the fans, but the travel matters. Yeah, and yeah. So and so we we play home against uh, against Lask, and we have to travel to Burnley. So you have your your backup squad, so to speak, play at home at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and you have your your main squad ready to travel against Burnley on Monday. Yeah, that's kind of my thinking. I, I think Antwerp. And Ludogrets are our big away matches where, like, we have to beat Lud- uh, Antwerp away. Ludogrets might be the one away game yeah, that yeah, we yeah. can draw, but we have to beat Antwerp away. Yeah. And then all right, all right, be- all right, all right. I'm done talking about Europa League. Predictions, Chris? 3-0. <laughs> uh, Clean sheet. Damn. Yeah, 3-0. Awesome. Well, I'm... I'm torn because I want to keep predicting clean sheets until we get one. <laughs> but I also want to be right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Predictions that are so, about being right. Have fun here. So I'm going to say 3-1. I'm going to say we we go up 2-0. We get a goal scored against us. And then we show the resolve for fucking once. And we score a third goal and kill the game off. I, I, I will say I disagree with Austin on one thing. And I do think that Bale should get a run out. Yeah, I definitely oh, think he should get, he should I, get I a run out, just not a start. I don't want him starting. I don't think I he's think ready he for a start. Be. I don't think he can. I don't. I don't think he has more than forty-five minutes in those legs right yeah, now. After seeing what he did against West Ham, and how tired he was after like twenty minutes. But I so do think I would look. Seventy-two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we go up two 0 They score a goal, and then Bale scores a free kick to make it three-one, and we win. That that would be perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go two 0 I think it's uh, one of those games that not too exciting to watch, but we get the job done. Uh, let's move on to Burnley real quick. Uh, Burnley set with one point, uh, bottom of the bottom of the table. Uh, they played today, yesterday. They played yesterday against. Uh, no, they played today against West Brom. I did watch that game. Um, both teams had chances to win. You watched uh, that? I did watch all ninety minutes of that game. Why today. would you punish yourself with that? Uh, I was off work today. Game? I was off work. I love soccer. What do you mean? If I Fair if enough. I not. If I'm off work, work, I'd be watching. So I, I'm off, yeah, I get that. If I'm off work, I would physically not watch that game. Yeah, no, I watched that game. Uh, Burnley had some chances, some headers they should have put away uh, in the second half. They controlled the second half, but both those teams uh, are set for relegation. Um, so n- how do we line up against Burnley? Uh, is this a, start, a chance for a bell to get a start? Uh, it's one of nope. those tricky Monday night fixtures. Um, we'll get uh, three days of rest, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, before heading up to uh, to Burnley to play this game. Um, do we run out the same team we ran out on Sunday uh, against West Ham, Austin? Or do we see some some changes? Is this the, the, the Ndombele, Lo Celso, Hoiberg midfield that we're going to get to see on, on Monday? Or... Um, yeah, I think that I think the changes we would make from from yesterday would be Dyer would come in if he's healthy, even if he plays on Thursday. Dyer's going to play Premier League matches if he's healthy, and I don't know if that means he's at the at the expense of Sanchez or all the world. I don't know, but uh, I think Dyer plays if he's healthy, and but Regulon and Serge I think will still keep their spots. 
Um, I really hope it's the Lacelso and Dombele Hoybier uh, trio in the middle of the pitch. If Lacelso's fit, I would expect that to be the case, unless Dombele somehow starts on Thursday against Lask. I don't want him to start against Lask. There's no reason to to use his legs against Lask, but it seems like Mourinho really likes Ndombele, so maybe he's going to test him. I don't know. Um, and then up front, I don't think Bale's going to be ready yet. I think Bale won't be ready until the following week. Um, so I think we'll probably see the same front three of, of Bergwijn, Kane, and Son. But I can't wait for, for Bale to get a start and to play a full full match and grow into the match and really challenge a back line. Because against a team like Burnley, they're just going to come in there and just try to defend their ass off and hopefully... Oh. The, yeah, this Burnley match, Chris. Burnley's the... getting relegated 100%. Burnley and West, <laughs> West Brom are the... If it's not Burnley, West Brom, and Fulham getting relegated... Something I'll has happened. super yeah, surprised. Something is wrong. Something has happened. Either one of those three teams has found a gem, a diamond in the rough, or one of the teams has collapsed to holy hell. Because those three teams are so obviously... The uh, sh- yeah, Sheffield's down there. I think those four, I agree. Sheffield, I think Sheffield might... From 7th to relegation? They have one point, too. They're sitting at 19th. They're yeah. below West Brom. West Brom has two points. West Brom oh, tied Chelsea. Let's not forget that West Brom tied Chelsea, uh, you know, two but weeks ago. The whole league can stand on top of Fulham. We can agree on that, right? Yes. Unfortunately, yes. I think that that is the case. There's Fulham, no amount of I money Fulham can spend. If Fulham, you don't get three points against Fulham, that's that's three points full, thrown away. When and Sheffield <laughs> did not get three points against Fulham. That's my right, point. Good point. Good so point. I think there's four teams fighting for three spots, and they're not fighting for it. They're fighting for the one spot essentially. Um, Chris, if we do not beat Burnley, let's what? not even talk about that. Um, we should be beating a team like Burnley. Um, we should be able to start our second team and beat a team like Burnley. Um, I honestly think, um, like Austin was saying, I think this is the this should be the ideal ideal match and the ideal timing should everyone be healthy to actually see the Hoybier and Domble Lo Celso midfield if yeah. all things work as they should. Yeah, I don't we're going to need that creativity to, to break apart this Merley defense because they are yeah. going to set 10 people behind the ball. And they'll have, um, uh, what's his name, Wood. Ashley, is it Ashley Woods? It's um, Ashley Barnes. It's Ashley Westwood is who you're talking about. Is that who you're talking about? Ashley uh, Westwood? I don't know. I think you guys have like completed like four A players. A bunch of players. <laughs> no. Chris Wood. Chris Wood. Uh, Chris Wood. Okay. Chris Wood. The Ford named Chris Wood. Yeah. yeah and they have Barnes. Jay Rodriguez and they have Ashley Barnes yeah. and they have a player named Ashley Westwood. Um, <laughs> is it Ashley Westwood? Yes. There's an Ashley Westwood. They have Robert Brady Barnes. as well and Jack Cork. Like, but they're bad. They're, Burnley is not very good. Um, I honestly, like you were saying earlier, Alderweireld is the starter maybe in this game, and it's either Dyer or Sanchez that rotates out. I don't think that's what's going to happen. If anybody's coming out of that team, it's going to be Toby. They're going to pull Toby. Toby's going to be your center back on the bench. It's going to be Dyer and Sanchez who start. I think Mourinho is pretty committed to forging a partnership between Dyer and Sanchez. And he's he's all in on trying to make this work. They're both pretty young guys. They're both relatively quick. They're both relatively smart. They do have a mistake in both of them. So there's that to, to contend with. But I think he's pretty bought into to getting them to be the center back pairing. So I think Chris, they're the... Yeah, go ahead. 
Is it is is part of that because Ledley seems to be so high on Sanchez, at least in the press? Ledley yeah. King is a big assistant coach of, of Mourinho's now, and he seems no, to he be loves him. Loves. He absolutely loves him. But I think a lot of it's because um, the club has invested a lot in Sanchez, and he's just – there's too much potential raw talent there to just say, ah, screw that guy and, and let him go. I mean, he's just too talented. He does have a mistake in him. I get that. I understand it. He does make poor decisions from time to time. I get that too. But he's just so he's he's a very talented defender as defenders go. Well, I want to ask both of you because you both played soccer competitively and I didn't. Sanchez to me seems like confidence defender. When he's when he's confident and is full of confidence, nobody touches him. The dude plays everyone off the park, but the second his confidence is shaken, he tries to play himself out of it, is what I feel. He tries to make plays, so he's like he's like a tryhard, trying to play himself out of it, and that's when he makes more mistakes. Because he's super athletic. He's super fast. I mean, some people say on the squad, if you run over 60, 70 yards, he's the fastest player on the pitch in our entire squad. In fact, over a long distance, people say he's faster than Regulon. That's what I've read. He's super athletic, but he's not crazy strong. He doesn't like to get bullied. He doesn't like to have his confidence shaken. So I'm wondering, is that is that a young is that a young player thing? Is that a mentality thing? What is it about defenders about because you always hear about attackers having confidence issues, but I feel like we don't talk too much about defenders having confidence. Yeah, issues. I think that's why they pair him with Dyer. Because Dyer's the exact opposite. Dyer is the 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 imposing, angry looking. That's a scary looking dude, Eric Dyer. Especially once he like shaved his head and went with the bald look, as opposed to the, yeah, like he's uh, he's the exact opposite. Whereas it's almost like um, Sanchez is like the the finesse defender. He's the guy that like Jan Vertonghen used to be, where he'll come dribbling out of the back. He'll make a little quick run up the middle and and try and get it through. But like he's that defender. They're just trying to bring that out of him. Whereas Dyer is the guy who is capable of doing that, but likes to stay back a little bit more. And like I get what you're saying. So, and, and him just destroy you. Yes, he's the destroyer. D- Dyer is 100% the enforcer in that back line when he's there. Toby is not an enforcer. It's not his thing. Um, Sanchez is not an enforcer and we don't know what Tanganga and, and Rodana are just yet. We have to see them play, but I think this week, and I think this is one of the reasons that, um, Sanchez was kind of shaky. I think I touched on it when I posted on the Facebook, but with Rodon coming in and Tanganga coming up and being the up and coming young defender, I think Sanchez is the one that's looking over his shoulder like, are they going to pull me out of this team? I've been waiting for three years to get in here and be the starting the the starting defender. And now we've got five center backs and they're all about the same age and they're all relatively good. Am I going to be the one that gets pulled out? And I think that's what he's I think that part is kind of shaking him a little bit. It's going to take him a little bit to get past it. Colin, I don't want to take your job from you, but I'm going to ask you a question now. I'm going to reverse the tables here. Did we buy Joe Rodin because he's a Eric Dyer enforcer type? Because what I'm hearing 
from from Chris and from others who have played soccer is that Toby is a ball playing center back. He's a finesse center back, right? Go look back when we played uh, Dortmund in the Europa League and did a pirouette around Aubameyang, right? I mean, Ab- Alderweireld is a finesse center back. He's a ball player. The man is right? silky. That, he is silky Rapunzel. smooth as a center back. <laughs> Sanchez can be strong, but Sanchez is a South American center back. He's a Colombian. He he loves to to be physical at times, but he loves to also be silky on the ball. He likes to to play the ball and not the man. He and grew Dyer's up playing midfield. Also, yeah, Dyer's our only enforcer. Dyer's our only dude that's going to just destroy you or destroy the ball or both and just clear everything out, right? We don't have anybody else. Is, is, is that why we've got Joe Roden? And is that why Mourinho play is so hell-bent on playing Dyer? I don't know why we bought Joe Roden. He's not a left-footed center back. I think Sanchez's biggest issue was on Sunday that play left foot, left he, he can he's play, but he's right not a left-footed. He's, he's, he's right-footed and plays he, on the left. He can the play on the left for Swansea. Right so, hold on. Are you going to ask me a question? Or are you going to let me answer the question? <laughs> Thank you. Joe Roden is a right-footed player. Can he play in the left center back? Yes, in the championship. This is not the championship. This is the Premier League, and we are not a bottom table. We are not a mid-table team. We are expected to be fighting for the top four, if not a title. Is Joe Roden going to come in this season and make an impact? No. Could I be wrong? Yes. Is he going to be our left center back now? No. Is he one for the future? Yes. The problem with Davison Sanchez is when he plays with Dyer, he plays on the right, Dyer plays on the left. Davison Sanchez is not comfortable playing in that left center back position. That is the biggest problem with Davison Sanchez, and he's a confidence player. You give, you take that confidence away and put him in a position he's not confident in. You see that. You see that the mistakes that he makes. You see that when he clears a ball, he looks around confused. Did I do the right thing? Am I in the right position? Um, we didn't miss Dyer in the sense of we don't miss the skill set. We miss it because we don't have a left center back, and Dyer fills that role better than anyone else on our team does. And so am I excited to see Joe Roden in the Europa League uh, or in, in, against a team like Burnley or, you know, Fulham or in the, F, uh, the FA Cup? Then, yeah, of course. Do I think he's instantly slotting in ahead of Tanganga? No. I think that um, that, that buy, I don't understand that purchase, Joe Roden. We didn't really spend too much time on that. I, I've been trying to think about why we didn't get him for super cheap. Yeah, it's like around 13 million pounds, I believe. Um, who knows? That That is cheap for a quality center back. He is a Welsh international. Um, I don't think he solves the problem for us uh, in that left center back role. To be fair, to be fair, he's the best. He, most people viewed him as the best center back in the championship, even at his young age. Yeah. Two, two, we don't have many players that can play left center back, except for maybe Tanganga and Dyer, who are both also right footed. So that's number two. Number three, he is Welsh. He's played with Bale and Davies. He knows them. That is an easy integration point, right? Like, that's not a small, small factor. So I think, and number four, if I'm going to add a fourth point here out of nowhere, 13 million, we paid 15 for Hoybear and 12 for Doherty. Was that right, Chris? Yeah, yeah something like that. So I we think... paid about 
the same for him as we paid for Hoybear and Doherty. I mean, that either makes the Hoybear and Doherty deals look increasingly better or they are increasingly makes... better. Yeah. There's no so, doubt that those deals so, are steals. So to yeah. me so to me, I think it's a it's a pretty low risk deal and it has a really high potential. I don't expect him to contribute this year, but I really hope that Tanganga can rotate. This is for me, I don't hey. and, Go ahead, we've Chris. left right. off one like one right. major point when we talk about our center back situation. Right now, we do have five center backs, um, and that's a good place to be because you know if somebody gets hurt, you never know. There's competition. That's always good. I'm always in favor of having competition for places in a team. That should never be a problem. But in this case, we're also leaving out that Toby Olivareld is 32. So. We don't know how much longer Toby Olivero will be a Spurs player because it's not as if we're known for just keeping around 34 and 35 year old center backs to let them grow into the like that's not a thing for us. We've already it, it's pretty evident that Jose Mourinho really wants to try and forge this Dyer Sanchez back line. And those two guys are 24 and 25, I think. Yeah, they're, so, they're much younger. They're young. So, that's so, your center back pairing for the long run, right. and you've got two young guys to come in behind I, him. I, I agree. And Austin so, Young is Austin. Yeah, no, no, Austin, no, 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 we're finished. We're wrapping this up. So, uh, what one thing that I want to agree on is yes, but we did just sign Toby to a new contract. He sees that contract out. There's no moving Toby on. But he knows where his role is in this club. He wouldn't have signed a contract if that wasn't the case. Austin, on your point, yes, Joe Roden is a great. They say he's the best center back in the championship. Newsflash, we brought Ryan Sessegnon. He was one of the best fullbacks in the championship, one player of the year. And then now he's off at Hoffenheim. So it doesn't translate to when you're playing to a top team in the Premier League. Can it? Yes. It's not automatic. Hopefully it does. Hopefully he is someone that can... can and we don't even know about Tanganga. Like, he, he had a good half season, right? Let's not... Let's not, that may be the not, other reason. Let's not that blow our load on on on. That's this. my point. That's my point, Colin. Is that Tanginga and Toby might be the second pairing where Tanginga plays left center back, Toby plays right center back, and he wants to pair Tanginga with a veteran center back. That's his hope, but Tanginga is not healthy at the moment, so he's having yeah. to rotate. That's what I think is the is the plan, and then Roden fits in wherever Roden fits in. But that's, I think, obviously, Chris. I think you're right that Sanchez and to- and and Dyer are the main pairing. Toby and Tanganga are the second pairing. Yeah, I think right now that's a very that that is the the best that we can do from a supporter standpoint from the information that we have is that it's clear that Dyer and Sanchez, when healthy, are his center back pairing. And, still not bad. I still like it. And there's no way there's no point in arguing it or being frustrated about it because Jose Mourinho <laughs> and Jose Mourinho we trust, and that's something that. As a Spurs fan, we have to say, you know, look what he's brought to us this window. And so Burnley predictions, and then we're getting out of here. Chris, what do you think? Burnley? On Monday? Uh, I'll go 3-1 on Burnley. Ugh, you letting Burnley score a goal against us? Yeah, uh, yeah. You haven't had a clean sheet all year, Colin. That's not a bad one. <laughs> 3-1. I'm going 3-1. Austin? Uh, I'm going to say 3-0 because I want a clean sheet. Yeah, I'm gonna go with a. I'm gonna go with a a two nil again. I'm gonna same with Lask. I think Burnley is not the type of team. Even if we go up one or two, they're not gonna come out of their defensive shell. They're gonna be hard to break down. Two nil till we till we hit two nil, aren't you? That's my plan. It's on my notes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even stop. You can see it. 
great, great. Thanks for uh, great podcast, guys. Thanks for joining us. Uh, kind of long. We rambled a little bit about uh, center backs and, and Joe Roden, and we get lost a little bit. But thanks for for listening to us today. Uh, we have what? What is this? Thursday, two o'clock match. When's the kickoff? Thursday. <laughs> Just looking at it too, and I closed it. Damn it. Uh, yeah, I think it's like two o'clock. Um, I'll pull it up real quick. I have it right here. We play two o'clock on Thursday. Yeah. <clears throat> I'll be watching that. I'll be messaging you guys. We also don't play again until Monday. It's going to be a long weekend. I hate when we don't play on the weekend. I'm just constantly waiting and waiting and waiting. It's like a fourth Monday game. That's so crazy because I'm on the East Coast. I get like a four o'clock, like I'm right off work. So. Yeah. Get, your, get yourself a little happy air action, dude. Um, perks of my job, I, <clears throat> I'll be able to watch both of those games. So, um, you know, onwards and upwards. Come on, you yeah. first. Come on, you first. We love you, Korean, Korean listeners. We love you. <laughs> <laughs>